but I'm so appreciative of everyone who's here. Uh, good to see you here this morning. Hope everybody's uh, ready for the message. Who can, yes, that's it. Y'all see it's under the influence. It's not intoxication. It's not uh, uh, from illegal drugs. It's just under the influence. But what I want to talk to you about today is, is not what we're under the influence of, but it's who we're influencing. One of the most important things that Jesus compelled us to do and become is a, a person who is an influencer. And who else is there that, that to look to except for Jesus? Choosing to be an influencer is something that is, uh, um, it's, you may not think of it as exciting or, or a lot going on in the beginning, but when you begin to become an influence, it's amazing all the trickle-down effect and how, uh, how people you are influencing take what you say, what you believe, and what you've become in their life. You become very instrumental in building them. Yes, it's a choice. It's not being afraid to speak it up when everybody else cowers down. You know, this past few months, the past six, seven months, I know that COVID is real, but I'm so, so tired of having myself muffled. You talk to people and have a mask on. Turn me down just a little bit, guys. It's roaring pretty good. Um, you put a mask on everybody's face and everybody begins to talk and you can't understand them. And I think about us as Christians sometimes, that we're like we're zip-lipped and we can't talk and we can't talk clearly. You can't hear anything that somebody has to say. It's the same way in how we live our life, our actions, our attitudes, behind everything that we do. We're so re refrained because we're afraid of, of, of government rules or because the government thinks we should do something or somebody says you can't do that or you can't do this. I had someone talk to me a couple weeks ago about uh, why we didn't have service. I know we didn't because we had a few outbreaks here in the church and, and so I just held up to not have service. And he said, well, I thought maybe they, they, the health department told you you couldn't have it. And when he said that, it absolutely raised up within me. If somebody tells me we can't have church, we will have church. It doesn't matter. We become so stifled by things that, are, that people think that are political people and, the, and people that think that are just frustrating to me. And how many of us have not done and not stepped out and not believed we just sit with our mouth shut or our mouth zipped or a face mask on our face because we're afraid to say anything? The greatest influencer that we have is how we say things and how we live. You cannot afford to walk around thinking about how, how this is going to affect people. You just live. You live according to that like Jesus lived. We'll go to that in just a minute. You may be thinking, I thought it's only people in ministry that, that are the influencers. Let me tell you this. Every person in here, it is your responsibility and it's your opportunity to make a difference in everybody else's life. Sitting in this seat where you're sitting at this church, you have certain things that come to your life and, and certain people that come in and out of your life, but it's always to make an impact upon them. I was listening to Craig Groeschel. This is going to be my ending, but I'm going to, I'm going to share this with you. Craig Groeschel said, people ask him, what started? What started the Life Church? What caused the Life Church to grow and, and all this happened? He said, I began to think. And when I was in college, when he was in college, 
He said, I was always drunk and partying with my frat boys and all this stuff. And I think, well, I remember getting a Gideon Bible from somebody who, who was passing out Gideon Bibles. And it began to speak to me. So was that the person? That was the person that started the influence in my life, this man passing out a Gideon Bible. But as I thought about it, who gave him the money to print the Bibles? And I began to think about the whole series of, of people and all these influencers in my life. They don't even know it. The power of your influence in people's life. I know we've had a rough week. I know a lot of us are discouraged. I'd like to read something to you in Ephesians. You know, sometimes I get worked up and I get emotional and I get maybe a little, you may think I seem angry. I'm really not angry at all. I don't ever want to come across that way. But I want you to understand the seriousness of what we're sharing this morning. The impact that you have upon everybody you're around is huge. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verses 4 through 8, there is one body and one spirit in God, and God called you to have one hope. There is one Lord and one faith and one baptism. There is one God and Father of everything. He rules everything and is everywhere and is in everything. Christ gave each of us a special gift of grace showing how he, how generous he is. That is why the scripture says, he went up, when he went up to the heights, he led the, the parade of captives and he gave gifts to the people. And I begin to think about us, just a little bit about this scripture. He will, has led us into certain places only we can go to. And he has given us gifts to operate in our life. You may think, I'm a heathen, I'm far from God. How could God ever use me? It's amazing what God can use in everybody's life, in any person's life, regardless of what you've been through or where you're at right now. Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. When I was... Uh, this is also part of my ending, but I'm going to tell it now. I may not get through the whole message, so I'm going to throw it in here. Um, when I was in the fourth grade, my father wasn't pastoring. My, my father didn't pastor until I was in fifth grade. But I was in the third or fourth grade after I got saved, and, and I was going to church. And, and I used to sit right here in, in this area, in the two rows in our church. It's a pretty big church, about 200 people. And, and, uh, and I always listened to my pastor's name is Troy Boggs. He was, he was, man, I thought, man, he is everything, you know. He's Troy Boggs. This church is about 200 people. And back in 1970-something, that was a lot of people. And, and I was enamored. And, and I noticed that he started calling me to go do stuff with him. He uh, asked me to, to come up and work with him. So when I get off of school, I, I'd go home. I'd check in with mom. I'd go up the, up the hill and, and cross the highway and go up to the church. And I used to go up there. I've never told anybody this, I don't think. And I used to go up there and help Troy Boggs put the paneling. 
Paneling, yes, it was paneling. Paneling on the walls in the sanctuary, in the, in the, at the baptistry area, and about all the walls back here. I helped him put all the paneling on. And in the fourth grade, you know, I, just a little kid. Didn't mean anything. I was just helping him. And then he started coming to get me about two Saturdays a month, and we'd go do visitation. A little kid. So insignificant because he's just a little kid. You may be no different. You may be insignificant. It may not be any, anything you have to offer, but a willingness to watch and learn. A young kid. It wasn't something that I, I got up every Saturday, every other Saturday, so excited. I, I get to go door to door witnessing. It was kind of weird. Pastor 50 and me, eight or nine or 10 or something. But it was the influence that I needed for the rest of my life. Every one of you in here have got influencers in your life for a reason. Then in turn, you're supposed to carry on the influence. How many of us in here have squandered years that we've been influenced by the, the right people, the right kind of people, and the right kind of things? And we sit on it. We got our mouth zipped. We got a mask on. We don't do anything that requires anything of us. We let the ministers do it. It's not the minister's jobs. It's everybody's job. It's the fourth grader's job. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its salty taste. It cannot be made salty again. Is it good for nothing except to be thrown out and walked upon? You are the light, of the, you are the light that gives the light to the world. A city that is built on the hill cannot be hidden. And people don't hide a, a light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so the light shines for, the whole people, for, for all the people in the house to see. In the same way you, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things in you, that you do and praise your Father in heaven. It's not about praising you. It's not, you know, I'm going to say this, but Carl Lentz, he pastored Hillsong up in New York, and, and he had a moral failure, and we don't, it doesn't matter. A lot of times we think about being in the limelight and everybody looking at us. If they are looking at you, it should be to do one thing, not to become like you. It's to become more like him. You know, Michael Jordan, everybody used to say, be like Mike. No, it would be nice if everybody could jump and, and shoot and score and dominate LeBron and dominate all these other players the way he can. You know, he could have anyway. And uh, that's just for Aaron. And, uh, but be like Mike. Be like Christ. Be like Christ. Why, how, do I, how do we be like Christ? Or, or how does he become a part of my life? How do, I, how do I look to him for all the things that I need to do in my life? All you have to do is begin to read the Gospels. And you follow his life and you watch him in these situations. And you watch things that he'd done that nobody else was doing. The way he responded, the way he thought, the way he... My, my, my little famous, my little... It was famous in my own mind, I guess. Even the way he paused... He began to ride on the ground because he didn't respond, but he always had wisdom in everything he'd done. Let the light shine. Let the salt do what salt does. What, what is salt meant to do? Preserve. 
Keep it, keep it intact, keep it from rottening. Has anybody ever had a smokehouse? Couple of them, couple, I, I never had one, but I used to go out to my grandma's smokehouse. Who knows what a smokehouse is? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You all think a smokehouse where you go out there on your vape and puff and puff, or you go out on cigarettes, that's not a smokehouse. A smokehouse is a place they hang meat up and they wrap it with salt and then they wrap it in newspaper and they cure it. They let time cure and make it edible for the future months because they didn't have a lot of refrigeration. Let light do what it's supposed to do. In your life, the light should be working. If there's something going on, there needs to be a light in your life is bringing dark things to, to existence, or not to existence, to revelation, to understanding. Let salt do what it, salt does. It's, it's funny how the Lord says both of these things need to be operating in our life. Are they? Is your life so salty that you're preserving the life of yourself and everybody else around you? Is there enough light shining from your life and everybody around you is seeing there's something different about you? What do we do to become effective? Be like Jesus. What was his attributes? And I begin to think, what are the attributes of Christ? Everywhere he, everywhere he went, he was salty. Everywhere he went, he was light. So what are some attributes that he had? He was honest. He was truthful. He wasn't arrogant. He was courageous. He was bold. He was quiet. Attributes of Jesus. How he lived. Stay with me on this, folks. How Christ treated the other people around him. How he treated people. How he loved people. Even the unlovable, he loved them. We're supposed to be mimicking Christ and we're supposed to be taking on characteristics of who he is. We are to be light. We are to be salt of the earth. He was honest. He regarded not the rich over the poor and he also not regarded the poor over the rich. He was not partial. He had integrity. He was courageous. His words carried weight. Why did his words carry weight? Why did his words mean something when he said them? And the same way with your life and my life. There's reasons why when you talk, it should be, it should be godly reasons when you talk and people listen. And I've made reference to this before. When E.F. Hutton talks, most of you are way too young for E.F. Hutton. But E.F. Hutton was a financial advisor. People would send people go there and invest money. When E.F. Hutton talked, everybody did. That meant he had something to say. One of his employees had a lot to say. Go to the book of John, if you will, in chapter 4. This is a passage that maybe you've heard spoke on from, oh man, all your life, and a whole bunch of messages on it. Because there are a lot of ways to look at it. But while we were in praise and worship, 
us, the Lord just showed me something about this story I never, ever thought of. And I about guarantee you, not a person in here has ever thought about it before either. I'm going to read several passages, and then I'll go back and I'll explain. Well, we all have a model as we look to Christ. In John chapter 4, verse 4, 4 through 9. You all know that sometimes I, my reading is not the greatest. Just stay with me. We'll get through it. But on the way he had to go through the country of Samaria. And in Samaria, Jesus came to the town called Sychar, which is near the field Jacob gave to send his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired from his long trip, so he sat down beside the well, and it was 12 o'clock noon. When a Samaritan woman came to the well to get some water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. This happened while the followers of Jesus were in town buying some food. The woman said, I'm surprised that you asked me for a drink since you are a Jewish man and I'm a Samaritan woman. And Jewish people are not friendly to Samaritans. So here's Jesus. He's traveling on his way. And he goes, guys, I need to go to Samaria. I must need, I must need to know the English. I must need to go by there. In other words, there's something calling me over here to Samaria. I don't have to tell you what it is. But he knew what it was. Matter of fact, he knew what it was because he even knew the place he was going to sit down. And he went, got there, and he sent his disciples on to town to buy the food and buy things that they needed. And he sat there and waited. And the audience of one, and who came in and visited him? The woman of Samaria. Now, she was a, a woman who had a, a reputation. We'll get to that in just a second. But there was a lot of things about her that I must go through Samaria. Why was this woman so important? Why was she so important? We probably have a lot of ideas, but why do you think she's so important? Why would Jesus go out of his way? Let me tell you, Jesus went out of his way because he knew her heart was going to be receptive. I don't know if she was discouraged. I don't know what she was going through, but he knew her heart was going to be receptive, so he knew he had to find his way to that place. And when he went, she kind of was. She didn't know she was receptive. He, he risked his name about talking to her. Jump down to verse 16. Verse 16. Jesus told her, go get your husband and come back. And the woman answered, I have no husband. No, no, let me tell you how important this, this question was. He was checking the character of this lady. He was checking to see if she was going to be clean, to be honest with him. He was a stranger, and he was a Jew. She was a Samaritan, a, a mixed blood with other nationalities and, and with Jewish. And so she was not an outcast. Why did, she even, why did he even think she would answer him? But she did. And she said, the woman answered, I have no husband. She said to him, you're right to say you have no husband. Really, you've had five husbands. And the man you're now living with is not your husband. You told the truth. There's something about her. Find the value in who people are. People you influence. Even though other people may have written them off, written you off. Find the value, look for the value that God has in a person's life. Verse 29 through 30. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Do you think he might be the Christ? So the people left the town and they went to see Jesus. Listen. She said, come see a man who told me Everything I've ever done. 
It doesn't just mean that she had these husbands. And I don't know all the dialogue that happened between her and Christ. But he spoke some truth because he saw a bunch of junk in her life. I'm going to read a few things to you about things he saw, maybe. Jesus saw that she had influence in her. Even though she wasn't believing it, she really did. No one else would have gone to great lengths that he went to to meet her. The disciples seen that. No one else found her so valuable. There's a lot of people in life that just need to find some value from somebody. They need to find some value. And your influence and you're paying attention, you're paying attention to them, it's huge. It's life-changing. It's life, it, it deters a path in their life. When someone is showing them, there's just a little attention there. No one else would have taken the time for a woman who had a reputation as she had. Jesus acted out of his compassion. He consistently acted that way with everybody they met. But the thing that I'd never seen before, where was that woman from? I know she lived in Samaria, but she knew her Jewish ancestry. She knew that this was Jacob's well. She knew that his father had said the Messiah would come. Everything about her is not laid out here for us to see. I begin to think about what is it about us and how many of us in here, there's things in a lot that maybe have been all wrong and nothing has worked out right. Just like this lady had five husbands. Everything had been a wreck. Everything she touched, everything went bad. Nothing ever good happened for her. But somebody saw something that nobody else saw. And it was Jesus. And he sees the same thing in our lives. He sees things in us that nobody else sees and nobody else understands. But he also knew where she came from. She might have been the child of, of, of a prominent Jewish man. And she had a great future. But she believed everything that everybody else said. And then she had one failed marriage. She, she, she thought she was done with. She was finished. Then she had another. And by now she has no confidence. None. And she had a third husband. Then a fourth husband. And then a fifth husband. She had given up hope. And she was going to be, from the time she was small, this is theoretically, I'm just thinking out loud. But who knows that she wasn't a priest's daughter. Who knows that she wasn't from the, a family of scribes and her descendants. But because something messed up in her life, she had influence from everybody else, but she never had the source influence in her. Listen to me just a minute. You may have had a lot of influence in your life. It's not the source. You've had a lot of influence because of things you've been through. And things you've done and poor decisions you made. But Christ so wants your life. He wants, so wants to do something special in your life. Under his influence. Not under mine. Jesus always act, acted consistent. He didn't waver. He just didn't. He just didn't. And you say you may be looking at your life saying, well, there's, 
Don't look at my life and look at these leaves. From this point on, from this point on, but to begin to move forward. Lord, you've called me to be an influencer. I've never thought of myself as influencing others. But you have called me. And he has, he's called you and the one you're sent by and the one you came with and the one you've been here for five years with and the one you've been here for 20 years with. He's called you to be an influencer. Why do we influence? So that somebody has a chance that wouldn't have had it otherwise. Proverbs in chapter 22. I was talking to somebody. Has anybody here ever done anything out of frustration? I mean, you got mad. I mean, frustrated. You're ticked. You're ticked. Someone's talking to someone who's working on the car that he has, and he got mad, and he just grabbed a wrench and threw it, and he said, after he threw it, you go, oh, oh, what if, what if that wrench had bounced off and broke something? Or, it reminded me of, of, of myself. Uh, I get frustrated sometimes, and uh, my boys have told me this weekend my, my frustration is a little worse than it used to be. I don't know if it's age or it's, it's not that funny. But anyway, uh, I was, I've told this so many times before, but I was in front of the parsonage. I, I just bought a new weed eater. And have you ever had a weed eater not start? Oh, my, I turned green. I blew up real big. I grew, and I sat there in the sidewalk by the, by the parsonage. And I pulled and I let it sit. And I pulled and I pulled. And I was so angry. I was, I was very angry. I started to grab it by the end and sling it to a tree or across it. I was just, I was just, I was violently angry. But then I knew somebody drive by and see me slinging it across. So it brought me back to reality. We're all human, folks. Don't think that when a four-year-old was being impressioned by his pastor, it, it was great and it was, it was good for me as instrumental in my life. But it didn't end there. There was times I threw the wrenches and times I didn't throw a weed eater, but I threw something. Times I knocked the skin off my knuckles and, you know, I never had a problem with language really, but just getting mad and just different things. And it takes time. I wish, now some of you may have had an experience with Christ that when you surrendered your heart to him, you said, Father, I'm sorry, and I'm wretched. I'm, look at all the junk I've done and the messes I made. So maybe you have. Maybe you have. Maybe instantly you were totally set free. But maybe you instantly weren't totally set free. It doesn't mean that God's not called you to be an influencer. Proverbs chapter 22, <clears throat> when we reveal our character, we reveal our character to everyone in this place at times, or those you're sitting around. 
get on that character. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. Being respected is more important than having great riches. Why or how can being respected be more important than, than having great riches? Because your words carry a message. Because you're backing up your words you speak by how you live. If you young guys, if you young, young girls in marriages and stuff here, if there's anything that you could hold true to, work on the character. Little things that you say, don't say. Things that you go do, you won't do. Absolutely guard your heart from anything that would cause you to coward and, and allow these things to happen. To be, to be well thought is better. To be well thought of is better than silver and gold. And it is. But listen here. It's not, it's not manipulation. It's not manipulation. It's not putting on the dog or putting on a show in front of people. Man, I've spoke for a long time, haven't I? We're going to wrap it up. Instead of forfeiting our voices... We need to become more vocal. Stay with me. I'm reeling it in. You know, you maybe hear preachers do that and they'll talk for 20 more minutes. I don't talk 20 more minutes. About 20, 25 minutes is what I preach. Influence isn't always instant. Listen, I'll say it again. Influence isn't always instant. It isn't always visible. It isn't always obvious. But listen, your influence is powerful. Man, it's powerful. Brother Boggs years ago, he never dreamed that, that what he was doing was influencing me for the next, see, I'll be 57 49 years. He didn't think about that. He was just glad to have a willing, warm body going with him to do those things. I had a lot to learn. Influences are few and um, and today where where we live. I know we have a lot of influences here. We have a lot of people not afraid to influence people. I'm just gonna read some notes here. Influences are few and far between today. It's not always, it's not about putting on a show. It's not about numbers. It's not about what people are saying, how good you are or how great you are. It's simply the loss of finding Christ. That is the sole reason we are an influencer about the characteristics that we partake in and we are, we are doing out in front of people to draw people. Even when we're not obvious, just sharing, just living and sharing with people at the right time in the right place. I got a couple of things to say. I'll share something with you. Uh, this past week, my two sons, Leighton and Tyson, we've been up in Indiana, and uh, we were deer hunting up there. As, as, uh, we leased some ground. The guy had some ground for lease, and we leased it. Man, we seen a great deer. And the first night, uh, there was about, I don't know, three or four guys in there, you know, Using a lot of words. I guess, I don't know what it is. Guys try to be cool. I don't know. 
I thought men from having jobs they have, they use that kind of language in their job. They probably can't. But anyway, I listened to going on. And then uh, the next night, another guy came. And one of the guys left. And, and uh, his, this guy's name was Roger. Uh, black hair, long ponytail. Some here like James a lot, like Jeff, you know. Uh, he's 45 years old, got a beard. He's an old rocker. I don't know if he plays up here, up here, down here. I don't know what he does. We play somewhere. I don't know. Lathan talked to him, music, musicians, it doesn't matter, whatever. Um, but Roger was there. And Roger was just saying things just, just like him. Blank this, blank that, you know, all this stuff. And I never said a word. My boys never said a word. It was quiet. Well, they said a lot, but not his vocabulary. So that was the first night. And the next night came around, and we were just sitting around talking again. And you can say what you want. He knew there was something different about us three. He just knew there was. Finally, I don't know if it was Leighton or Tyson told him what, you know, what I do. And they had a gutter business, and I'm a pastor. And he was sitting beside me. He looked at me funny. But let me tell you something. I already had a connection. I already had a connection with Roger. Because Roger's never been in church a day in his life. There was something about, about how we acted in his presence. It spoke volumes to him. There's something about what you do. Even if people you don't know, they will know there's something different by you. By your actions and by your attitudes. I got a call in. I'm trying to get his number. I'm going to just, just talk about deer hunting. But I know that at some time in his life, Sister Blau's message this morning, the seed has been dropped. And I'm praying that somebody where he lives will begin to water it. And God will cause it to increase. What a great guy. Funny guy. But if we had not, if we had chimed in and became just like everybody else, what a shame. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're here. You've fallen so short. You never thought you could influence. You may say, I don't care if I influence. Oh, friend. Friend. If there's any gift in anything that you can do, the power of influence. The power of influence. I want you to bow your heads with me. If you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus Christ as a Lord and as your Savior. Maybe someone has influenced you and that's why you're here. Maybe someone you've been around compelled you or something about how they live compelled you. And you see such a value in how they are and how they live. As you know, the that this day right here, right now, was for you. Just like the woman who'd had five husbands. It was her day, the day that Jesus went and took time and talked to her. If you're here, this is not a sob story. This is not a beg and plead. But I'm giving you opportunity. If you want to make him the Lord of your life, maybe you've slipped up and maybe you've messed up. 
But this is a time for you to get things back to where they used to be. Or where maybe for the first time in your life, you need to come back to Christ. Would you come right now? Would you come right now? The most important time in this service is this moment. How you respond. It's forever life changing. Would you come? God wants, wants to draw you back. And he wants you to know that, man, He has great plans in your life. Just like this marathon woman. He has great plans for you. If you're here this morning, you're a believer, you've been a believer, or if you're not, either way. But I want you to come forward and say, Father, I want to become more. I want to be the salt. And I want the salt to do what it's supposed to do. I want to be the light and let the light do what it's supposed to do. I want to be transparent in my life. Would you come?
Our broadcast anyway, so I'm gonna tell the story on him. He was married. My brother always thought, I always thought the world of him. Uh, he just always seemed to be in control of things. His own life, he, his goals, he, he just always seemed to have everything together when it came to that area of his life. And there was a business that done some advertising with him. It's when he was in radio business. He had already checked prices on video camcorders at different places back in the 90s. He bought one from another competitor. And this guy asked him, hey, Marty, did you ever uh, find your video camera? You know, you're still looking? He goes, oh, man. Uh, no, I just ain't ever found one yet. But he had. About a week went by, and he was so ate up for not telling the truth. He had to go back to that owner and tell him, man, I found the same thing somewhere else about $100 cheaper and I bought it. He goes, oh, no big deal. But it was forever etched on that man's mind. Always. My brother was afraid, so he told a lie. If there's areas of our life that we, our character begins to get weak, we stay out of that situation. Stay with those people. Amen? You're, you're important, I'm telling you. You are important. You're important. I cannot stress enough how important you are. We're going to sing. 